Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Uh, remember, if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, go on Apple or Google or Spotify, whichever podcast app you use. Hit that subscribe button. You will be made aware when new content is available. I appreciate everybody who's listening, who's helping to grow this thing uh, bigger and bigger and bigger with every episode. Very much appreciated. We've got a three-day weekend coming up. At least I do. I know a lot of you listeners will probably be working all weekend. But um, I will be fishing. Uh, me and my dad are going to go back to the uh, Tennessee River uh, on Lake Gunnersville, which is one of the most famous bass fishing lakes in the entire country. And uh, the thing that we do this time of year in the fall is, is, a, is a technique called punching. And what develops along the Tennessee River in this particular stretch are these miles and miles and miles of matted up grass. So it's grass that's essentially matted on the top of the water. And the technique is this. You take this big heavy weight. It's about two ounces, which is real heavy for bass fishing. And you, you tie a, a soft plastic onto your hook and you essentially punch the weight through the grass. And the bass are just stacked up in this grass this time of year. And you can just go and, and troll real slowly with your trolling motor uh, down this this these grass lines and just flip and flip and flip and flip. And every once in a while, you'll feel that tick and uh, you'll get a big one in the boat. We did it last weekend or two weekends ago rather and I uh, had a ton of fun. I'm hoping our luck is just as good this weekend. Uh, we will probably take the kids out on the lake on Sunday. We've got some at least warmish weather uh, mid 80s which for here is is not super warm but uh, we'll be out on, on the local lake here with the kids on Sunday and then I'm having dinner at my new neighbor's house on uh, Monday I believe and my new neighbors are my parents. Uh, they moved out of Chicago uh, about a month ago and they're getting settled in. They live just a couple blocks away. So uh, we will be at their, <laughs> be at my new neighbor's house and my new babysitter's house, uh, just as importantly, on uh, on Monday. And and babysitters are very, very important when you move uh, to a place where you don't have any family. And that's what we did when we moved from Chicago down to the, the Nashville area here was we did not know anybody and, and no family in particular. So it's very, very nice to have uh, some babysitters. I've got three kids and they're all small. And uh, it's nice to get a, a break every now and then. A few news items. Export sales uh, remain fantastic. We have the best book of export sales on record for soybeans. China is responsible for the vast majority of that, and that's something that I've, I've discussed at length here. Uh, corn, very, very similar. We've got the best export sales book since at least 1996. I'm not quite sure if we're ahead, that, ahead of that pace or not uh, just yet, but a fantastic looking book of, of new crop corn export sales. Again, China responsible for, I think, I think it's 45 or 46% of those new crop corn sales. So the export programs for row crops in particular remain very good. Even wheat sales are the best in seven years. So uh, we've really got nothing to complain about there. We have a USDA report next week. I think, uh, as I've discussed before, I think all eyes will be on those production numbers and and also on some of the demand numbers. You know, what USDA does typically is they will reduce their demand estimates as prices 
rise or as um, some of these supply estimates are, are cut. So if they're going to cut yields for, for corn or for soybeans and cut the production numbers, they may cut the demand as well. So uh, traders will be very interested in next Friday's report. Got to talk about ethanol. Ethanol remains an enormous problem for the corn market, in my opinion. And I think on the, the last podcast, I talked about how it wouldn't be a stretch to to say that we've lost a billion bushels of corn demand because of COVID and ethanol. And when you stretch it out in, in the old crop market in year 1920, I think you can ballpark it that we lost 500, maybe 600 million bushels worth of corn demand. And new crop is still up in the air because the new crop market year just started on Tuesday. But USDA is estimating a um, ethanol usage or corn usage for ethanol rather at 5.2 billion bushels we would be 5.5 or 5.6 in all likelihood if covid was not an issue so you may lose another say i don't know 300 400 million so even over the course of these just just two marketing years we could lose a billion bushels and if you were to extend this out say another year and we just never get back to where we need to be or we never get back to normal in terms of ethanol production it could be more than that so you know there's been talk about the big crop and and how that's kept corn prices down and and a lot of other factors but in my view this ethanol thing is probably still the biggest story out there the uh, stock market has corrected lower, and um, I find this to be really funny that people get so worked up about these corrections. Here's what just happened in the S&P for, for a summary. From the uh, the spring low up to this week's high, the S&P 500 rallied 64%. Um, in the last two days, we corrected 6%. And anyone out there who's bearish gets really excited about this 6% correction, but uh, big picture uh, the bulls are are in control here still, in in my opinion. It's kind of funny. It's also kind of funny when I watch social media and, and I talk about the stock market. I talk about commodities, of course, on, on Twitter and other places. And people are always quick to jump on me when I, when I talk about how I, I like to buy stocks and I like to hold stocks, um, which has over time been a market that does nothing but go up. You buy at the S&P 500 and, and you hold it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, it, it's always gone up, dating back to the depression, basically. And, um, and people get upset about that when I talk about buying stocks. And then you could, in the same breath, talk about buying corn, a market that has really done nothing but go lower, barring a few weather rallies over the last six years. And, and people don't bat an eye at it. It's just kind of interesting. It's like the the sentiment regarding those two commodities are, are flip-flopped. It should be the opposite. You should be friendly to stock market all the time and a little bit more skeptical of the grain markets all the time. Yet it's the opposite. People are always skeptical of the stock market and more enthusiastic about the grain markets. That's just what I observe on on social media. I find it to be very interesting because it's it's the total opposite of, of uh, it, it goes against what actually happens here um, when it comes to pricing. So we're going to get into this uh, just discussion. I want to talk about the soybean market in general, soybeans, bull market. Yes, the soybeans are, are in bull market territory. I'm going to talk about why and and kind of my, my thoughts on the whole situation. So there's a, a number of ways to characterize a bull market. Some people will put an actual statistic on it and they'll say, oh, a bull market's a market that's rallied 10%. Bull market is a market that's rallied 20%. Well, in the soybeans, we've rallied about 15% from our April low. Um, so mathematically, I would say this fits the description of a bull market probably. Um, we, we've had a nice 
not only not only good run percentage wise, but a nice run over time that's that's lasted several months. So I'd say in, in terms of of just the mathematics side and in, in terms of the the percentage points that we've improved in pricing, I would say that we fit the the we fit the bull market description here certainly. Um, another characteristic of a bull market, the funds are along the market. I talk about this all the time. As of yesterday's close, Thursday's close, uh, the funds were estimated estimated to be net long one hundred and sixty eight thousand contracts. That's uh that's a pretty aggressive net long position historically. If you look back over the last five years, they were long two hundred thousand at one point um, in March of twenty eighteen. They were long 186 in July, or I'm sorry, January of 2017. They were long uh, 187,000 in May of 2016. So relative to the last five years, we are creeping up to an extreme uh, fund long position in the soybean market, assuming that some of these private estimates are correct. The record fund long in soybeans is 231,000 contracts from April of 2012. And we all know what happened in 2012. So you're getting into some fairly rare territory here uh, in, in beans and the fund positioning there. And that, in my opinion, opinion, as far as commodities are concerned, um, especially commodities like corn, soybeans, and wheat, that's a good indicator of a bull market, how the funds are positioned. The next thing would be spreads. And the spreads in beans don't tell me necessarily that this is like a runaway bull market. We don't have any big inversions, but we also don't have much carry. So November to January, you've got what five cents to carry, five and a half cents to carry, and of carry, and then when you look at at January to March, there's no carry. There's essentially no carry, a couple cents from from January to May, and then you go out to July, you've got just a few cents, and then you're inverted out to November 21. So that is is a characteristic of a bull market, um, a, a more exaggerated bull market. You'd see some real big inversions, like you'd see the. Um, the November trade sharply above some of the deferreds, or or you you'd see the the spread between crop years invert even more drastically. Like right now, you've got a, a twenty five or thirty cent carry from July twenty one to Nov twenty one in a in a real exaggerated bull market in beans. You'd see that spread a buck over, a buck and a half over, uh, something crazy like that. And we're not quite to that point yet. We could get there. So the the spreads are indicative of a friendly situation, not necessarily a runaway bull market. Sentiment, um, I would say, is generally positive, although there, there are definitely some skeptics out there when it comes to beans. I think there is the crowd that looks at all these export sales that we made recently to China and says, well, look at Brazil. We're, we're going to end up canceling some of this stuff or it's going to be switched to Brazil. And I don't have an argument with that. I think it's very much possible. Uh, but I think it's also possible that China takes delivery of, of a lot of this stuff. So it, it may fall somewhere in, in the middle. We may deliver most of it and, and you may see some switching or cancellation. But in general, I'd say that sentiment in soybeans is pretty positive. I think there's a lot of people out there looking for $10 or $11 or whatever, and, and they may very well be right. Um, in terms of news, I would say that the news has been almost universally positive. Um, you got these big Chinese purchases, which continue to make headlines. Uh, that That's half your demand basis exports. Uh, crush remains very strong domestically. We don't talk as much about that, but that's the other half of your demand base, and it's been very, very strong. There's been a little bit of talk about the crop and and potentially reduced soybean crop here in the U.S. versus 
what we thought it was a month ago, and and that's probably true. The the bean crop may be slightly lighter than we thought it was a month ago, but I I still think that we have a a pretty good bean crop out there, and and I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to guess how big the crop is, but I I don't think it's it's necessarily too bad. So as a farmer, I've just listed for you all the reasons that we're in bull market territory or or um. We're in an uptrending market uh, type territory. So you've got a lot of questions that arise for you here. The the first one, of course, would be, you know, how far does this thing run? Um, the November soybean contract posted fresh, what, eight or nine month highs here just this morning. Um, so there's, there's, this goes back to so many of the, the things I've talked about in regard to marketing, you know, fear of missing out, fear of, of leaving money on the table. If I sell now, am I going to miss the next dollar or two dollars up? Uh, and that's very much a possibility. I mean, beans could be 10, 11, $12. Who, who knows? I, I have no idea, but there, there's always additional upside possibility in, in any market. Uh, when do I sell the beans? And that kind of goes along the same question. Um, timing becomes an issue. Logistics become an issue. Uh, I've talked to a lot of farmers that plan on storing beans. I've talked to probably a lot more farmers who plan on on having all of their beans gone by, by the end of the calendar year. And that seems to be the more popular um, idea as of right now, given the idea that price, given the fact that prices are good, there's not a lot of carry, there's not a lot of incentive to store. I think a lot of farmers will be selling a lot of their beans um, and, and moving them prior to the end of the year. Um, the potential or, or the potential for profit, of course, is a question that arises, and that's different for everybody. But you should be examining your spreadsheets here and adjusting for yield expectations, adjusting for uh, crop production expectations, and then adjusting for price, of course, and and getting to the point where you can uh, zero in on on what sort of revenues, profits, losses, whatever can be expected at these sort of prices. So those are kind of all things to consider. Uh, one thing that I will tell you, and, and I want to make this very clear, is that I cannot predict prices. Um, I don't even make an attempt to predict prices. I think that uh, in general, anybody who has a very, very strong opinion on price direction um, and, and does nothing but tries to predict prices, I think that those sort of people in the majority of situations have simply not been humbled by the market enough or at all. Um, and, and I've, I've experienced that firsthand in all of the dealings I've had with different people in agriculture and different people that I've, I've dealt with in, in the trading world. Um, for, for me to have a really strong opinion, a really strong opinion on the direction of prices. Um, I've just, I've done this long enough now. I've experienced enough that I know that that is foolish for me to do. Um, so my approach to this thing, as you know, is that I, I like to make sales when markets are up. I like to make sales when funds are long. I like to make sales when sentiment is positive. And uh, this just goes back to the idea that the bean market checks all of these boxes for me right now. Pretty much everything I know about grain marketing tells me that this is some sort of opportunity uh, in the soybeans. Now, is this the opportunity? Is this the top of the market? That's something that I cannot tell you and I will not ever be able to tell you. Um, I, I can't tell you if this is the peak of the market. I can't tell you if we may not I can't tell you that we won't run another $2 in bean prices. I, I can't do that for you. Um, anybody that says that they can is, is lying to you. Nobody can predict this stuff. That That's just not how it works. So I think that the approach here from a grain marketing standpoint, um, if you're a farmer, is to continue to price in increments 
while all while all of these boxes are still checked. You've got the big fund along, the bullish sentiment, the friendly news, uh, the the tr- prices that are trending higher. Continue to price in increments when all of those factors are at play, and when they're not in play, that's when you stop. And that's when you wait and that's when you sit on your hands and look at basis and spreads and that sort of thing. So in, in regard to marketing, that's been my approach. And and what does that mean for me right now? It means that I'm underwater on every single bean sale that I've made here recently because the market is at eight or nine month highs. So of course, any bean marketing that I've done on the way up is underwater. And that's very, very typical. When you get into bull markets, you're going to make sales that that look bad uh, either for a moment in time or, or maybe permanently look bad. Um, I don't think you can dwell on that. I think you've got to look forward at, at, again, what you have unpriced next year. Uh, what's the next possibility? Don't beat yourself up too bad about those early sales because it's going to, if you're a responsible marketer, you mark, you, you price the crop in increments on the way up. Um, you're going to have some sales that look bad in bull markets. It's, it's happened to me before. It will happen to me again. But, uh, in my mind, as long as I continue to follow my approach, my process, I continue to take that responsible approach of pricing grain over time. Um, I, I think that I'll end up all right in the end. And, and that's been the, the case for me in, in the vast majority of years. And there've been some years where I've got burnt on that sort of strategy, but, uh, all in all, it's worked out for me pretty well. I'd say. Remember, everybody, if you do need some help with your grain marketing, go to my website, www.standardgrain.com. Click on Grain Marketing Plan and check out that subscription service. It's a very simple approach. It's a very simplified uh, subscription that I offer. It essentially includes my morning email that goes out every morning, 6.30 Central Time, every business day, and a text message service also. And I'll let you know exactly when, how, and specifically I'm pricing corn, soybeans, and wheat throughout the year. It's 49 bucks a month. You can cancel it at any time. I break it down by crop year and by crop and by percentage. So it's it's not only telling you that, you know, this is this is a selling opportunity. It's telling you what percentage I'm selling um and, and for which crop. And uh I've had a very good response to it so so far since I started uh offering it uh earlier this year. And uh if you're looking for a more simplified approach, if you're looking for for some different information, uh certainly worth your time to check it out for a month or two. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Um I will be back on Tuesday.